this is the new series called Winged. It's a, it's a segment inside of the In the Center of Her Power podcast. I'm here at a nature preserve and I wanted to be able to capture some of the sounds of nature. Listen. Each month, I will feature a short segment on a woman who is a full-bodied nature woman in one way or another. Stay tuned for the first episode. Greetings, this is Sanaa Green, and I am so glad to be with you again. Today, I have a really interesting guest. Her name is Naomi Cawthorn, and I am so fascinated by young people in their 20s who choose to, to do healing work. And so I'm going to, we're going to have a conversation today and she'll share something about what she's doing and then we'll, we'll get a chance to, to hear her take on healing and connecting to nature. Naomi, thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. So you are a college graduate. And when I first heard about you, your mother was taking a belly dance class with me. And she said, oh, my daughter is so fabulous. She's doing, she's, you know, she's growing. She's working for a farm in the city. And, you know, and she was so excited. And I was really interested to talk to you because when I was in my 20s, the whole notion of like being um, a grower or being a healer was really kind of far-fetched. So I was really interested to talk to you to see where your, where your head was. Tell me, how did you get into um, growing and agriculture? And I think you, you refer to it as land stewardship, which to me is a whole nother facet of working with nature. So you explain how you, how you may, how you mean that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so how I got started is always an interesting story for me because the first farm I started working on was in Palestine in the West Bank uh, in a village called Bilain. And there is where I learned how to grow totally hand-powered farms. So we used <laughs> only tools to take out all these rocks. It was the first CSA or community-supported agriculture farm in the West Bank, started by a friend of mine. And there I learned the meaning of solidarity. It was something that I studied in college, but it was only when I was there with my hands in the soil <laughs> with uh, Palestinians and Gazans and um, people from all over the world helping to grow um, local heirloom Palestinian crops in, in the context of uh, occupation that I learned what solidarity meant, that I learned the power of land stewardship or, or being in relationship to the land, and I learned the power of growing our own food. Um, so wait, 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 wait. I just have to stop you there. Um, Palestine is um, in the Middle East, and it has been... You, can you explain to us about Palestine? And, 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 and actually, I, I've only met a few people from Palestine, and, 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 and there is a very strong contingent of people here in the United States who support the Jews who um, decided after World War II that they needed a homeland so they would never again be ousted 
Um, so after the Holocaust, they decided they needed a new homeland, and so they, they decided to go back to Israel. The only thing was there were people already living there. So it's been an ongoing battle for the people to be able to live there peacefully, and there are multiple religions that are practiced there and that, that consider that, that area holy ground. And recently I learned that the Middle East is actually a very spiritually powerful place in the world. And what happens there can influence um, the whole planet. So how did you happen to go to Palestine? Yeah. Um, also, generally, I when I started studying, which is a whole, uh, I'll, go, I'll go through that, but I, I have since changed my language where I think I used to call it the Middle East, but different folks now, they call it, um, I prefer to call it the Eastern Mediterranean and locate it geographically. The Middle East is a really uh, politicized term that comes from a westernized lens. So it's Middle East only when you're in Europe or the U.S., if this makes sense. Yes, yes, that's so true. And, and parts of what is considered the Middle East are actually in Africa. And, right. Yes. Yes, Africa, um, Asia. So geographically, the the region can be referred to as Asia Minor. Um, and my studies in particular are around the Eastern Mediterranean. So it's a more specific region within Asia Minor. So um, I, in college, was studying art and gender studies. And then I started, take, I took a course that was about art being made in dangerous places by feminists. So at the, at the combination of art and gender, and then it added this level of political expression and radicalism. And so I started becoming interested in the Eastern Mediterranean and, and wanting to know more about Palestine because I watched this film um, and I, the name is escaping me now, but I, I watched this film that like I had a very visceral reaction to the injustice that I, I watched. And I was like, I just have to know more. And I always asked myself as a person who is a descendant of the transatlantic slave trade, I always wondered what was the rest of the world doing when these Europeans were taking people from the western coast of Africa and shipping them across oceans to the Americas. Like, what was the rest of the what were, what were people thinking? What was going on in the rest of the world that made this okay or that made this acceptable enough to continue for, for centuries? And so when I saw this film about Palestine, I said, oh, my God, it's happening now. <laughs> I am actually living in the world in which there is settler colonialism still occurring. And so what am I doing? How am I participating in these same systems that impacted my family and how, where I am now? And so I just wanted to go. I just had, had this like itch. I could not. I just was like, I have to see this. I have to understand how this can go on when I'm over here? How are we related? How am I now participating in this process? And so I studied um, more about the culture and the region. And then I studied Arabic after I graduated. And then I, I went um, to Ramallah, the capital. And I went there. The only arrangement that I had is to do a work trade in a hostel. 
And so I said, I'll live there and work here. And I met a lot of people. I learned a lot about the region just by living with Palestinians and then also talking to a lot of foreigners about uh, other travelers about what was happening in the region. And the person that I met who started the farm also happened to live in the same building. And so the, the hostel and the farm kind of became a pair, so to speak. We were supporting each other. And so we would go out and plant these foods and then harvest them and bring them back to the hostel for people to pick up. And if they didn't pick it up, then my role was also as a cook. And so I would end up cooking all the food that people didn't pick up and turning it into meals and selling it. So we'd be cooking for 10 to 20 people a night. And so I also then saw this whole farm to table thing happen in a really organic way that um, totally changed my perspective as well. That's really interesting. Now, I know at one point you were considering studying um, Ayurveda. Mm -hmm. Did you study Ayurveda? Have you studied Ayurveda? Did you go to India to study Ayurveda? I did. I did. I actually, I went to India that winter. So we spoke, I think, in July or August, something like this of 2019. And I went to India in uh, November, December, and January of 2019 and 2020. And I studied, um, I actually got to train capoeira in Delhi. I trained capoeira here as well, but I got to train with a group in Delhi. Then I studied, uh, I got my 200-hour yoga teacher training in Mysore, India. And then I went to Rishikesh. I worked on a farm called Earth University that is um, Vandana Shiva's school, actually. So I got to see Vandana Shiva and, and learn a lot about... Who is Vandana Shiva? Is that a person? Yes. Vandana Shiva is an incredible activist, environmental activist, who speaks up a lot about um, Indian agricultural histories and the way that uh, GMO seeds have impacted India's climate, India's um, their in independence, really. <laughs> and and she travels all over the world and has this beautiful book that I love to study called Earth Democracy. So thinking about what our politics look like when we are really connected to Earth and how our politics now, um, what they how they actually impact all of us on a daily basis down to the seed, right? So um, she she ha started a university and a farm in Dehradun, India, which is in the foothills of the Himalayas. And there they grow everything. They have this incredible seed bank where they're collecting seeds from all over the continent of India, the subcontinent. And they have like one of the largest heirloom seed banks in the region. Um, and then they also grow and hand harvest all their grains. And then that's what they eat as well. And then they use, they keep cows, then they use that for gas, for cooking. So it's a totally self-sustainable farm. And then they bring students in from India and all over the world. And so I got to stay there and see that as well. And then I went to Rishikesh to study Ayurvedic nutrition and Marma therapy. Wow. So tell me, what do you see as the, as the political, um, how, how, are our, how are our politics impacted by how we are connected or disconnected from the earth? Wow. Um, I, 
in my healing practice, in my work, in my yoga practice, all these things, I think it really keeps coming back to the fact that we are separated from ourselves and separated from the earth. And that separation is what then can lead to the illusion of domination. <laughs> that, But it becomes a real way of, of using and abusing power is to dominate. And so all throughout history, and I really trace a lot of histories on this land of Turtle Island back to um, Britain and this kind of split that happened when they continued to log and continue to cut down all of their forests. When they did this, they were essentially colonizing the British islands. And then when they didn't have the capacity to grow the food anymore that they needed, they started looking elsewhere to, to meet their food needs, which then eventually turned into this colonial project. And this split that happens is when we, we do not see that we are all, that life is living in all of us, that it is sacred, that we are inherently deeply connected. And at that disconnect is at the heart of so many injustices, racism, sexism, um, the ways that we deny the the denial culture that we live in 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 this society in particular is about separation the inability and lack of desire to feel all that we actually feel feel sadness feel grief feel joy and happiness it's all limited because we're disconnected from ourselves and each other and so that really begins with self and earth which i see as really interconnected as one. Yes, definitely interconnected. When I was studying eco-psychology, working on a master's, um, they actually looked at how, um, as the world was changing. So, so there was a time when, when the, when God was actually considered a woman, you know, and when there were priestesses and, and when, and when they looked at women as, as, um, and in some cultures, women actually, there were land actually passed through the matrilineal line. And um, and a number of things happened to shift that. One of the things was that men wanted to be able to inherit land, and they wanted their children to inherit land. And that was that was coupled with the notion of of wanting of of um, uh, people wanting the wanted to move people from a land based. Um, religion land based which is which is what people will call pagan religion female centric pagan religion they wanted to move them to going to churches in the city where men were the priests and so it was all a part you know there was there were so many facets that were happening and then when you look at the overall shift like there the women were women were um respected in a way that um, were not really respected now. They were respected. They owned property. They um, led churches. They were they um, handed down religions, and they were respected in a way that um, that was uncomfortable for some. And I guess we really did have to have the the shift from the focus on the d- divine feminine to the focus on the divine masculine. And so now, as the divine feminine is reemerging, which is what this show is all about is how is the divine feminine showing up right now? Now as the divine feminine is reemerging, we have the opportunity to balance 
between the masculine and the feminine within ourselves and within the world and within how we we look at we look at earth and our relationship to it because it doesn't have to be a situation that's 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 a, is, we're not here to fight the earth is here to support us and we're here to support and be in, and be interconnected to the earth we we have the earth gives us everything we need why do we have to conquer it why is it man against you know to climb this mountain you know if you want to climb the mountain just you know climb the mountain does it have to be a battle you know mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be a battle it doesn't have to be a battle internally nor does it have has nor does it have to be a battle culturally. So, so a lot of things happen, you know, and, and, and what you said is really, is really true. I mean, and we could talk for like hours, all the different things that happened. And I sure, I'm sure you have a lot of information to share, but it's a, it's a perspective I think a lot of people don't think about. And I really um, am impressed with how in depth you are with, with your thought process and how you are utilizing your, your gifts in a way that um, at least gives honor to those who may look, who, who others may have um, shunned or killed, you know, I'm saying shunned, really killed, you know, oppressed, you know, however, whatever term you want to use. And now what I really would love to hear is how you have kind of translated your connection to the earth into these healing modalities that you're using and I also want to hear about the consultant work that you're doing. So tell me first, um, where did you get the notion that that healing was something that you wanted to be a part of? Or did you get that notion? Or was it health? Or how did you come to studying Ayurveda and Capoeira and yoga and, and the things that you've studied? Um, I I always definitely have to pay homage to my family and my ancestors in the sense that my mother, my grandmother, all of my matrilineal line, there's lots of healers, lots of spiritually inclined uh, feminine people. And on my father's line, there's lots of teachers and land stewards as well. So I, t- I come to it very honestly when I look at, at my um, lineage. And so growing up in a household where uh, if we're a little sick, my mother then offers us some apple cider vinegar or my grandmother prays over us, which became it, at first it was something when I was young, I saw strictly in a cultural lens in a Christian lens. But as I've grown in my spirituality and my own connection to the divine, she's really a powerful channel. <laughs> and she she uses that. Um, it, it gets translated through Christianity, but it's also a very ancient practice of, of connecting and channeling. And so, of yeah. Speaking, I, of, speaking, of speaking that which we want into being. And yes. realizing the power of the word and the power of the spoken word and the power of our intention. And, you know, in Christianity, it talks about if, if you have the faith of a mustard seed. So if you believe in, in a thing and then you speak it, then it, it does have power. So it's really interesting how these cultural practices that, that are really you can see the same cultural practices throughout many religions. Absolutely. And so that's something that I have grown to learn as I've learn more about uh, traditional African spirituality and develop my own relationship to spirituality that I'm able to see what happens in my family outside of a strictly Christian lens, but to see it as as a spiritual practice and as a connection to our ancestors. And so that um, 
is kind of where I come from <laughs> spiritually. And and also I'll say that my mother all has always worked in, in Baptist churches. And so I grew up going to Baptist church while my father identified at one point as agnostic, at one point as Buddhist, and his mother is Buddhist. And I grew up also visiting temples with her and waking up and chanting. And so I saw always different perspectives. And I think that that allowed me this freedom to kind of question and dig for myself to find my own connection to spirit. And so um, when I was in about middle school, my dad took me to my first yoga class and I loved it. He got really into yoga. He got his dad into yoga and it was specifically yogasana, right? So going to an asana class and, and making these shapes with our bodies. And so that was my entry point in about middle school. And it just became a practice of mine. I started meditating very young. Um, also started communing with plants really young as well, kind of naturally. I, I remember when I got my first pimple <laughs> and I was like, this cannot continue. <laughs> and so I started looking up. I, I first went to the the uh, store and I was using all these like store-bought um, chemical products for my skin. And then I was like, I don't think I like this. I wonder what, what I can grow that does this or what plants do this. And so I learned more about tomatoes is good for the skin and lemons. And so there was always this little like cut tomato in the fridge that everyone knew was mine. And I would like rub it on my face at night. And so I was, it was, I was very young and I started um, getting interested in, in plants and my well-being. And it was really when I lived um, in Guatemala, Prior to moving to Detroit in, in 2018, I was volunteering at a farm, and then I also had the opportunity to work in a yoga studio. And when I worked in this yoga studio, I started my own practice. I started practicing Ashtanga yoga, and there is where I learned what it meant to have my practice. And I learned discipline, and I learned and became curious more about um, what yoga is and so throughout my practice then I wanted to study further and teach um, and then when I was at teacher training I had the opportunity to get attuned to Reiki and so I became attuned to Reiki 1 and 2 which is also part of what I offer in my new business called Root to Bloom where I work as an agricultural consultant but I also do somatic guidance um, it, which includes Reiki and yoga practice. And so that's kind of how all of that worked together. <laughs> yes. You know, I'm a Reiki practitioner too. Well, yes. I'm attuned to the master symbol. Wow. You know, I really think, and I wanted to know what you think about this. I believe that um, there are spirits who came to this planet who were already evolved and that, um, and then there were those who helped to pave the way, like your grandmother, your grandmothers, your mother. Do you feel that you um, are possibly more spiritually attuned than maybe others your age, or that you possibly are one of the spirits who's holding a new vibration in the earth? That's really that's really funny you would ask that because I'm I'm currently studying eroticism and I'm working with um, Amina Peterson at the Atlanta Tantra Institute and as I'm working with her I, I it always comes back to self trust so like everything that we're working on it always comes back to self trust and, and my own self trust and 
it's I was really meditating on my purpose over the past few weeks. And I'm like sitting there, what, it, what am I doing? What is this? And in that those past two weeks, these past two weeks, I've had multiple people say, I'm so happy that you're working in your purpose, that you're living in your purpose. And so it's literally like anytime I have these questions <laughs> that I send out to spirit, like the answers come back to me immediately. And so in that sense, I feel that I I am spiritually attuned and I feel that it is my purpose to guide guide people back to connection to self and to earth right like it is I feel it deeply in my core it is a, a pure fact that we are one that we are the divine experiencing itself that we all have great gifts to offer and I believe that through these histories of domination and repression and suppression, we've that that connection has been severed or um, comp- it's been compromised, right? And so I see my work really as like healing or mending that that connection to self and the which is the connection to earth to divine. It is it is all the things, and so I, I think that is a pretty powerful purpose to to have. <laughs> But it it's like I'm I'm like just now I used to kind of like reject this work and be like, no, no, it's not me. I don't I'm not going to do that. And it's only recently that I'm like claiming it and saying, yeah, that is my work. Um, yeah. You know, I think what you may have been contemplating, I, I, know, I don't know, was how to actually um, d- create a vocation that can express the um what you are feeling in your in your in your soul or in your spirit that may have been what you were thinking of because here we you know and i guess in another time you would have been a monk (laughs) or not a monk but a priest or priestess and you know your time would have been spent studying young yoga growing and working in the community and you would have been supported by the community and you could have you know you had your family and and it was it was different than than um priests or or um what do you call the catholic yeah priests are now mm-hmm. so in this in this time we do have to contemplate how will i make a living <laughs> Mm-hmm. So that so that may or may not be, and, and how can I? And that may or may not be in alignment with your broader purpose, right? You know, so, yeah. I think what you were thinking of is how do I, maybe how do I create a living within my purpose and using the skills? You seem like you would be a teacher. You seem like a, like you could be an academic. Yeah, there's there's actually a lot of academics in my family, and I I have felt called to academia many times. Um, but I, I stepped back from academia after getting my bachelor's because I realized that I need like way more life experience. <laughs> and so I stepped back. And when I was younger, I used to think I would get my bachelor's and my master's and my PhD and just go straight through. And once I stepped back and also I started identifying really heavily with manual labor, it's really important to me to, to work with my hands, to do embodied work. 
so that I was really literally coming back down into my body. If I'm doing all this heady work and I'm always thinking and sharing my theories, that's great. But then how is my digestion? <laughs> how is my sleep? <laughs> I usually end up staying in that space. I'm very air, air oriented. So to be able to, um, sit with manual labor and to do this embodied work helps me balance a lot of my uh, mental stimulation and and like the earth work and to the point about vocation i think a lot of my hesitation as i was when i was younger was that i was really i was trying to translate like this energy that i felt and it was honestly also a lot of socialization, right? So heavy socialization around um, respectability, around what success looks like, around what's appropriate and inappropriate. And um, I think that, that those were the layers that I, I had to heal through before I was able to really begin speaking my truth and, and being in my power, right? I believe that, especially in this world, right? Like, you can make your whole living on Instagram, <laughs> like anything is possible these days. And so for me, it was, it was really more about having the confidence and again, self-trust that what I wanted to do, that my voice is valuable, that what I have to share is significant and, and worthwhile and, and that there's room for me to be me. And so I had to give myself that permission, which is a lot more socialization than me necessarily trying to fit in for money's sake. Oh, wow, that is so wonderful that, that you went through that and are now centered in your purpose and you're still in your 20s. <laughs> that just is amazing to me. That's just amazing to me. I mean, because... You know, you know, it's amazing. And I also have to realize, you know, each of us has a particular role. And I think one of the roles that I've played is to help hold the energy so that the crystal children like you could come through and be and, and emanate the, the goodness and the wisdom that we need to have in the world. So thank you for coming and being you and doing you. Thank <laughs> and, you. Uh, you know, and as a as a as a as a um, nature lover. And, you know, Earth Priestess, and I'm, I'm so happy that you are here and doing your work here on the planet and doing your work. So are you um, in Michigan now? Yes, yes, I am okay. in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Okay, now are you planning to stay in Michigan or were you, what, what are your plans? Yeah, so I I play with this idea all the time. I, I felt really called to Detroit uh, when I moved here in 2018, and I still feel a lot of richness here in terms of my work. I do think that I need to find more balance because I know that I love the salt water ocean <laughs> and I need to often recharge with her. And so I'm I'm always kind of looking for my spot to recharge in, which is kind of where I'm at. I, I think that Detroit it feels like home. My family is here. I'm, I'm building community. I think that this is a really special portal, <laughs> energetic hub, this place. Uh, and I love being connected here. And I know also that my spirit loves eating fresh dragon fruit and mangoes and being in the sunshine by the beach. And so, um, yeah, Guatemala has been a place that I visited more than once and stayed there significantly. I grew up in California, and so I'm always kind of looking for my my second home. 
Yes, me too. I really liked Guatemala, Guatemala too. Um, I really enjoyed being there, and I actually thought of staying there longer. I was there for a Spanish language immersion course, mm-hmm. and um, and I was like, "Wow, I, I could stay here longer." I really, I really liked it there. I really, it's really liked beautiful. it there, and I loved seeing um, how you know being on the land of the of the Mayans and seeing the the fabrics. One of my most prized possessions. I don't really have a lot of possessions that are prized, but um, it's a, a piece of fabric that I got, which was weaved in with was weaved by some women in Guatemala, where the um, fabrics are weaved depending on the the clan that you're a part of or the tribe that you're a part of. And that's one of the things I, I love so well. So I love Guatemala too. So if you do go there and you set up a space, I'll come and visit. Yes, yes. I, I, that place particularly for the indigenous presence mm-hmm. and, and the, the land is so powerful. So I, I stay in Antigua when I go there. Yeah, I was and in Antigua too. Yes, the mountains. I, I've done so much, um, learning and introspection and spiritual development in that place and and when I was visiting there most recently I was just really sitting with the the volcanoes and I was just like thanking them for holding this like they are these really strong guardians very protective energy in that place and um yeah that land is very powerful and and the connection to the indigenous people is so beautiful to see Yes, Naomi, thank you so much for joining me for Winged, which is a series that is a part of the In the Center of Her Power podcast. Well, I guess I've shortened the name to Center Her Power, but it's really focused on a company that I started in um, 2006 called In the Center of Her Power, which is the intention for this podcast and for my work is for each woman to live in the center of her power. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to In the Center of Her Power podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please like or subscribe on whatever listening service you use. I am your host, Sanaa Green, and I sincerely hope you were fed with divine feminine soul food.